Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hello, hi, and welcome to the Nile or Nine podcast. You're listening to the voice of Niall Byrne, um, the co-host and uh, founder of Nile or Nine. And uh, on this week's episode, we are going to be talking to Saint Sister. That is Gemma Doherty and Morgan McIntyre. Um, they are Saint Sister, a band we've talked to before on the podcast. Um, they have a new album out called Where I Should End um, this week. That is Friday, June 25th. So maybe by the time you hear this, you may have heard the album. Um, and they are wonderful guests to talk to. We're big fans of their album and their music. And uh, I think they have a lot to say. Uh, Gemma and Morgan met in uh, in college in 2014. This is their second album that they're about to release. And, um, you know, we talk a lot in this interview about the idea of putting a name or genre on your, on your music. Um, they had a term called Atmosfolk, which, you know, um, was very useful but they've since moved beyond that now on this album and they're very much standing front and center and featuring themselves in their videos so we talked to them about that and we also feature five songs that they are inspired by or that inspired their music and uh some spoiler alert some very nine or nine friendly songs in here you're going to hear myself and Andrea Cleary talk to Morgan and Gemma from Saint Sister shortly. Um, and just a little bit of housekeeping as well, if you want to support 909. And I think, you know, we do it. We've been doing this a lot. We've been we've been pushing we've been pushing podcasts out every week for a long time now. And uh, if you listen to it and you appreciate it and you look forward to it, I would hope that you maybe consider putting uh, some money uh, where your mouth is or where our mouth is uh, from a fiver a month on patreon.com forward slash another nine there's exclusive playlists and a discord uh, community uh, having chats about reasons to be cheerful at the moment um, this week so 
uh, all sorts of stuff talking about the gigs that are happening at the moment and being announced so that's on that's a discord access if you want that it's patreon.com forward slash 909 now without further ado uh, let's listen to uh, a quick song from saint sister before we delve right into the chat with morgan and Gemma. somewhere in between you and the television screen I guess I should have known It was always gonna be sex bundles And just like that the karaoke's over Let's come on the stand on the sofa I wish that I could call you when I'm sober And just like that, just like that Saint sister, hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. What's How crack? going? Good. Nice to nice for you to join us. Um, from uh, where are you guys at the moment? Where are you? You're not together. No. You're you're on We're separate Zoom windows today. We are. So, We're both in Dublin though. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Very good. How are you guys doing? What what is up? Um, album is coming out very soon. Yeah. June twenty fifth. It is. Um, where I should end. So you've been. You've been on the promo trail, I guess. You've been on the, you know, you've been sharing songs and, and doing bits. And uh, how are you feeling now? How are you feeling about uh, what's coming? What's coming down the line for you? Yeah, really excited. Um, It's kind of weird releasing music in this environment and not being able to um play for people and to interact with people. And um, I think that took us a while to get used to. But um. We've been sitting on these songs for a long time now, so it's just more than anything, just excitement um, at the idea that they're going to be out there and, and kind of not ours anymore. So feeling good. Yeah, it is a weird time. Obviously, we keep talking about it, but, you know, do you feel like we're getting closer to uh, some sort of normality now? It feels like it. Um, we just announced tour dates there the other day, and that's the first time that we have done, you know, throughout this whole throughout this whole thing and they're not until November but um yeah I don't know with the way things are going it, it definitely feels like we're getting closer to something mm. and everyone's adapted everyone spent the the whole year just readjusting and relearning and learning how to do things differently um but I feel like at the same time yeah I don't know if it, it feels like things are on their way back yeah November feels like you know something is possible for sure we share by by november you think yeah. okay we're, we're definitely going to be doing gigs again right like um, something has to come back <laughs> yeah you know it, yeah, it can't sure. it can't um it can't last forever so you know with the album coming out is it has it been has it felt different then to kind of put these songs out in advance like the songs that you've shared with us uh, in advance of the album and like because you don't have that live arena it's very much an online um experience mm. yeah um and how has that like has that been an impactful thing for you guys? Have you felt that in in a different way than what you usually would have? I think like once you um, as Morgan said, 
I think you said we recorded this like quite a while ago, so it was finished before everything kind of kicked off. Like this album was finished at the start of 2020 um, and we'd obviously hope to be able to be bringing it out a bit earlier than that. But I think once you once the studio part is done and, and you kind of wrap up the tracks, how you get back into them then is like is playing them live and they, they take on a different a different life sort of and it's almost like I always fi- find it in two parts like you have the studio part and that's the song and then it goes out in the world but all of a sudden you're playing it live it takes on a different head almost a different meaning in a way and you know it starts to take a different form so I guess we've kind of we haven't had that part of it um so it's it's been it's been trickier to kind of find your way back into the music if that makes sense but we've been like making a lot of videos and things which is a bit new for us so that's been a nice new kind of venture <laughs> I mean you talked about how you wanted to maybe put yourself a bit more front and center and that's like a very uh, deliberate thing to do um so how did you like I mean first of all uh, is there any particular reason for that and then how did you approach that I think there's a few reasons for it um I think our first album for loads of different reasons kind of we we promoted it in a certain way and we um I think it was then talked about in a certain way and that's all kind of part of parcel and it's that kind of fairy folk ethereal thing which is not necessarily a bad thing but I think then when we recorded the next album when we had those songs it didn't feel like it fit in that world at all and I think we're conscious of like women who get stuck in that world like uh, there's a great article in Irish Times um or an interview with the staves and they talk about not wanting just because they've got long hair and they sing in harmony not to be pigeonholed in a certain kind of world um so I think that's all kind of going through our heads and then we were writing these these songs that didn't feel like they fit and just kind of they felt more direct and more honest and more um present in general so we felt like we should be more present and that that was a natural step I guess then having decided that that was something we'd wanted to do it was another thing actually doing it and kind of taking that step because we aren't necessarily people are who are very comfortable in that sphere like we love singing on stage but then the next thing of like dancing in a video I think if someone had told us that a year ago we would have laughed at them um but then we yeah we just we partnered up with like the algorithm um productions who are an amazing production company and they really worked with us and really helped give us the confidence and um I'm so glad we did it because I feel like we've just taken not necessarily a step upwards but definitely a step away from um the kind of uh videos that we would have done before and um it was just so much fun I think that's what we learned that you could have loads of fun while making music yeah I suppose it helps to have each other to lean on when you're when you're moving into a space where you have to be that bit more confident it would be I imagine a lot harder to do that if if you were both solo artists if you didn't have each other yeah I think we were kind of working through that together and also because the live side of things was gone for a while it sort of just gave us the space to think about that and you know it might not have been it wasn't that it was a huge decision the first time around it's just not something we were massively comfortable in and, and never got to but um there was just a lot more space because the album was finished we, we just had the time to really like sit on it and think about where we wanted to go with that and that was that's been a bit of a gift as well you mightn't always have that time yeah, I was thinking about, you know, that term atmosphere at, when you came out and it was like, it was very useful at the time because, you know, it does kind of set yourself apart, but then maybe it feels a bit more like an albatross around your neck there and you're like, oh, well, this is what we are. And then, you know, I remember talking to James Vincent McMorrow about this years ago and, you know, he was talking about how when he made his first album, it was very much like, 
you know, he was he was the he was wearing a flannel shirt and he was playing acoustic guitar, so therefore he was like singer songwriter folk musician. He was like, that's not what I wanted to be. It's just that's yeah. all I had at my disposal in terms yeah. of like my my music and my instrumentation and stuff. But I didn't want it ever to be like that. So yeah. you know, getting out of a of a box that you've maybe you know. Uh, willingly like created for yourself a little bit just even as a marketing thing which is you know I thought like like the atmosphere thing was very useful because it does kind of describe it but also yeah maybe it does did it feel like a baby a bit restrictive it it was you're right it was very like descriptive so for someone who maybe didn't know the tunes it, it kind of made sense but I think it's just that um just in, same when you're talking about James Vince Morrow like it's not like we don't you don't set out to do these things it's just like you write some music and you fall into you know you start playing it and then these things kind of happen around you and you're part of it and then but it doesn't yeah I think for us it, it doesn't feel like we just necessarily wanted to feed into something specific it was just like we made what we wanted to make and you kind of see where it goes from there but it's not that it's it's not a bad thing or it's not you know oh god we'd never talk about that it's it's just like kind of regrouping when you're making a new album and being like okay well what I think it's more about not being limited by anything that you think someone might expect or that you expect of yourself even particularly because we're a duo I think um and there's only two of us in the studio the kind of like the world's your oyster in terms of you know we're not a four-piece band or you know you have to kind of fit within everyone's instruments or everyone's um tendencies Mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's it's a it was a blank canvas in terms of what we wanted where we wanted to go with it um so it's more about not wanting to be limited by by anything or, or by what you had on stage at the time I think uh, and what did the drawing board kind of look like for you guys when you when you were setting out to to start recording in terms of sound in terms of lyrics themes all of those sorts of things I guess there wasn't really a drawing board more like a series of songs that kind of flew out at um at a quicker than we were used to so I think we were kind of buoyed by that and just going back, I, I feel like the first album has such a specific world for me and it feels very heavy and foggy and misty and kind of um, and hard and slow. And the second album it just felt so much lighter and quicker. And I think to me, that's what was so exciting. I, I had really put it into my head that we were these slow writers that um, had a very specific um, job to do. And then it seemed like we were writing songs that we would never have written before and um they were coming out easily which has stopped again I, I have to admit that I'm back in the like kind of fog of no inspiration but for a brief spell of time it seemed like we were kind of on a roll and I think that was just so exciting and that then made us really excited about the sounds that we're using and the kind of um branching out and then and then in turn the videos as well and kind of we just had space which was one of the one of the few good things out of everything that's happened the last year instead of being on this kind of treadmill of, of just about kind of fulfilling the expectations, we were able to take a breath and see see what we really wanted. And I think the whole atmosphere thing, not to um, go on about it too much, but it's just about not setting a narrative for yourself. And that happens in so many ways. Like I remember a director talking about um, a well-known rock band saying about how it was so cool that they weren't in any of their videos and that was a couple of years ago and I put that in my head and thought oh it's so cool not to be in your videos it's way more um like rock and roll or whatever and then just kind of figuring out that that's not necessarily the case and everyone has different styles and everyone wants to do music in a different way and that you can kind of break those um expectations that's interesting what you're saying earlier about uh, you know being too used so therefore you don't. It's something I've been thinking about a lot in terms of a band. You know, always having to have um, their 
an input on a song, you know, a band, like a musician in the band uh, input on every song. So they feel like they, yeah. are, you know, control in some way and they are contributing and all that kind of stuff. I think it's just really something that maybe you don't really think about an awful lot. Um, yeah. If you're not in the studio or in a band dynamic where you're like, oh, we better, we better like put some bass on this or like, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever it is, we better include it. So they have something to do. Yeah. You know, I think <laughs> so it true. can be, limits are good, but um did you have any limits for, did you ever set limits for yourself in, in the recording? Um, I suppose that is, as, as you say, like limits are good in a way, because if you if you leave it wide open, like you're never going <laughs> to get the thing done. Um, we did limit it on time, I guess, in the sense that we, we booked like a, a, a block of time and we were quite, everything, you know, was, was fairly demoed going in there. Um, so in that sense, we knew we couldn't let it, run away with itself and and just be be going forever and be recording forever um but we did also um we brought in a lot lot of like uh guest players this time which we also didn't really do the first time around it was a lot more just like in in the room um ourselves and Alex who we produced the last one with but we produced this one ourselves and brought in more of like a live band feel and we brought in string players from Crash Ensemble and we had Lisa to collaborate with us so we just kind of opened it out a bit more and, and let ourselves experiment a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's it's true. It, and it's something I don't think we really thought about that much until a couple of years ago either was the fact that we are a duo and there's there's just the two of us and we both have like very different roles within that. And when we're playing live, we, we didn't really think about it because we're both on stage and, you know, we're both performing. But in the studio then it, it is, or in the writing process, it is a very different thing. And, you know, Morgan's very much the lyricist and, and writes the melodic material and then I'll come at it from arrangement and production. So in that sense, it's it's we're doing very different things and we're we're kind of working at different times sometimes. Um and I think only really on this album did we lean into that and allow ourselves to like really feel that out. I think the first album was a lot more sporadic and, you know, we didn't really it just kinda came came about somehow, but this one felt like a bit more of a process. Should we talk about uh, you? You selected some songs for us, um, mm-hmm. songs that uh, not to spoil it, but uh, some are are very uh, close to uh, this podcast's heart. Um, so uh. it's a fantastic collection oh, of five songs. Nice. I have to say, I was just so that's happy good. with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, we'll we'll play a bit of the first song, and then we'll maybe come back and discuss a little bit about what. Uh, it is about that song that maybe has inspired you and this is uh, first song is Julie Jacqueline and it is called Body Just a boy who could not domestic flight without lighting up in the restroom got Cold cloud of smoke, thumbs still on the light. You look so proud. Couldn't wait to call a friend. We had to fly back home. Never got the money back for that weekend. Right there on the Sydney tarmac To my luggage down I 
Julia Jacqueline, song is called Buddy from the album Crushing 2019. We are big fans of that, aren't we, Andrea? We are. We were talking about it literally on the podcast oh, last you? week. I can't remember how, how it came up, but she come, she's one of these artists that whenever we find a new artist that we love, we're always like, remind you a little bit of Julia Jacqueline, wouldn't she? Like, we always come back to her. It's become such a such a classic album for us. So I, I assume you, you guys love, loved it as well. That's it, like a classic yeah, the same. Al- album. I think she is just yeah. one of those... She's a modern day classic songwriter. I I think she's gonna. Mm, yeah. Um, I just think she perfectly writes songs, and especially that last album. It's just a perfect breakup album. I I don't think you can you can beat it really. And wasn't this the first song? Was what, am I right in thinking this is the first song we would have heard off the second yeah. record? And we were huge yeah. fans yeah. of the first one. Yeah. Um, but then. It was one of those things where, like that, and that that album obviously did so well, and and we were massive fans of that album, and had seen her live a few times, and then when this song came out, we were just like, oh my god, how is it? How is it better? How is it taking mm. on a whole new form? And it mm. just like immediately left up, and that was like really. Exciting. I think that's. I I was so ex- no 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 no. Oh sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I I was gonna say I was so excited when I saw that you guys had chosen this song in particular because something I love about this song is how close her vocals mm. feel. Like mm. there's there's no air around her at all. Yeah, and that's something I'd very much associate with listening to to you guys, where the the vocals are kind of so forward and so almost breathless in the mix. Is is her vocal style and that style of recording something that? that you guys admire and, and like to do in your own work. But, yeah, I think so. Um, I think she's just got that amazing presence and directness. And um, mm-hmm. I just remember hearing this song for the first time and then going through a series of making anyone that I could listen to and being at a party and everyone dancing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 we got to play this song and then sticking it on. And then because it's <laughs> such a slow build, just like staring at everyone being like, OK, are you getting it? Are you getting it? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think definitely the vocals, her vocals are just that's the other thing, like the fact that she can write those songs and also have a world class voice. I just like she's got everything. Yeah. But um, yeah. for me, the I love her songwriting and her honesty and, and the little vignettes that she kind of paints. And, and then that song in particular, you just see the whole, I've thought about that so many times, the scene on the tarmac and, and the police coming into the plane and then fast forward and then it's, or well, she's looking backwards, but in the next verse, talking about the um, the scene with the camera and it's just I have such a, a such a full. Vi- I, I feel like I've seen that movie because I've it's so well painted yeah. and that's such an inspiration. Uh, like that's what I want to achieve when I try and write and um yeah that I think that's where we should all be <laughs> trying to get to. Yeah, I feel like we we, we all know that yeah. guy as well who had a cigarette in the in the plane bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Like we know him. We might we might have yeah. dated him. You know, like he's he's a very familiar character to us. Absolutely, and she just attacks him so beautifully. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, she's a wonderful songwriter, and she's uh, amazing. 
we're big fans and uh we hope we hear some more from mm. her soon again uh did you read that pitchfork article in the end andrea i didn't actually get around to it but uh no. kind of a catch up with her in, in Pitchfork recently I was like what's she up to mm. what's happening I think she's just in Australia hanging out she released like an absolutely <laughs> else. a heartbreaker um, of a Christmas oh, song yeah. this year as well oh my god yeah that was it's the saddest song. thing I've ever heard it's yeah. so beautiful did you guys catch her in Wheeland mm. when she played yeah we did factory I think yeah. after that as well oh I just yeah she, it's just stunning like she sounds the yeah. same live yeah she which is the exact same which is really rare to find someone who really captures that in a recording mm. as well and and mm. it, it brings the, the exact same same energy um yeah she's amazing um so your next track is um a philip glass track uh will, will we listen to it first and then and then you can tell tell us a little bit about it sure, yeah, sure. uh this is uh mishima um from philip glass Yeah, that was Philip Glass. The song is called Mishima, I think. Uh, it's from uh, the soundtrack to a 1985 film, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. Have you seen the film, guys? Yeah, I saw it. Um, I saw it a good while ago. So it's about, uh, yeah, the Japanese author um, Mishima, who kind of plotted his whole life out um, as though it were a novel or a series of novels. And um, I don't want to... Yeah, it, it's a biopic anyway by um, Paul Schrader, and it was... It was a George Lucas and um, Francis Ford Coppola movie from 85. I don't want to spoil the whole narrative, but yeah, he's an incredible character. Um, and yeah, it's a really, really, really mad story, but it has this beautiful soundtrack by Philip Glass. Um, and I love that the whole soundtrack's really beautiful and it's, it's really interesting the way that it's used in the movie as well and the way that they sort of interplay the like footage from his life with, um, you know, the 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 reimagination of it but the the I think the way that they've done it is that the um so that that recording that you heard there is the Kronos Quartet so an American quartet um from San Francisco and they the the real footage from his own life is all portrayed by th that part of the score is the Kronos Quartet I think and then the rest of the movie is scored um it's it's a bigger kind of instrumentation with string orchestra and a lot of percussion and stuff but that particular track is the it's called Mishima Closing, so it's at the end of the soundtrack, and I just think it's like the most beautiful, 
beautiful piece of music. Like it's so kind of succinct and concise and it's really, it's it's quite simple, but I just think it's so, so beautiful. And that recording of it as well, I just think it's perfect. <laughs> like um, I can't, I can't describe it, but I just became a bit obsessed with it um, over the like last couple of years and just always gravitate back towards that recording and kind of have it on. And um, yeah, just that the, there's such a rawness to it, to the way the, the players are playing and like um, there's so much emotion. And I think, uh, you know, for being Philip Glass is widely, you know, a minimalist composer, but there's so much kind of uh, real emotion and emotive writing in there as well. And you really, really hear it in in this, this recording. Um, and then we, yeah, I think this, it definitely has fed in all over the gaff because we brought strings in on this album and um I hadn't really made it's one of those things I hadn't made the connection till long after but it's no coincidence that we I ended up arranging for strings for this record and that's probably my most played um track on my on my Spotify for that year so mm. I'd say it, it has fed in <laughs> somewhere it's a beautiful track it's I haven't seen the film but I know that track when I when I clicked it I thought I didn't know it um, and then as soon as I start playing, I was like, oh, I instantly recognize this. So I have no idea where where I would have come across it. But it's um, yeah, the the how how the string players are are playing that you're right. There is just this kind of rawness. It's not a very clean sort of yeah. line. It doesn't sound like the, the kind of traditional romantic sounding strings. It's got a real grit to it, which I, That's I it. love. It's really lovely. There's a real edge to it, mm. and just talking of recognizing it there, I think um, one hit. So Philip Glass is cousins with Ira Glass from the This American Life mm. podcast. I think some of those themes from that soundtrack are like under some of the This American Life oh, maybe um, that's episodes. Where I've heard it, yeah. So it it wouldn't be that it wouldn't be the string version of the theme, but um, I think there's like maybe it's on an electric guitar or something. But you definitely you'd you'd hear it when you listen back to some of those. Yeah, that might have been where I heard it then. Yeah, and there's a number of moments on the record where you do really like lean into, you know, allowing the players to to take over, and uh, that must be nice to um, let that happen on your record. Yeah, there there were just some moments on this one. Um, it was actually it was the last track on the album that uh, when when we were kind of putting it together, and Morgan had sent sent the the full set of lyrics and and melody and I was I was kind of trying to arrange around that that was the first place that I heard a place for strings and we kind of um it was quite late on we were going into the studio maybe a few weeks later but at, at that point I was like could we could we get a quartet in and what would stop us from doing that and it's back to that like the limitations thing kind of took a while and then I was like oh there's nothing stopping us from doing that so um we just kind of let that one play out and once we'd arranged any dreams I was kind of like there are other places on this record where there's kind of space for that and um the, it, yeah then kind of the the string section at the end of Manchester Air and at the end of Irish Hour which is uh, another track on the record they were kind of born out of that but they kind of took on a bit of a different life then once we had made that made that decision and then you know coming back to the idea of collaboration as well another like you've you've got close collaborators in terms of like people like Elias and uh, who you know have helped you um, with the visual aspect of uh, and Joshua Fanning as well so I mean can you talk to me a little bit about that and like how how that is so important maybe these days and maybe mm -hmm. you know it's it's so present these days isn't it like the the public face of Saint Sister you know <laughs> Yeah, I think it's something that we um, 
we just yeah we had time to think about it this this time around and also we're probably a bit better at relinquishing control to other people and kind of picking people that we really trusted and and letting them go wild I think that was a big lesson we learned in the studio but also because the studio was experience was so different the first time to the second time the first time it was only the three of us and we kept it very close um, and then the second time we just I think in confident you grow in confidence and you realize you, it's it, things are better when you let people in and I think that yeah that was the case for um the artwork as well and Elias um oh it's just great when you get someone who who kind of feels like they understand what you're trying to get at and we spent a lot of zoom sessions with Elias and Josh um going over different typefaces and I think it was important to us that we changed a, a few of those things so um to represent like the new kind of style and the, the more forward facing energy that we had um and it was one of those things we talked around the thing for hours like literal hours and then all of a sudden it clicked and then it was like oh okay all that time and all the um conversations back and forth and all the different references they all added up to this really specific coming together and, and understanding and um I think Josh Fanning is incredible um he's uh, he's just yeah an expert I think but um it was a real pleasure to work with him and then that fed out into the videos as well and working with algorithm and yeah just I think that's one thing we did well this time we found people who were really really um invested and really talented and and um they just helped build the project up yeah it's important to have a a team of people you can call on who you know understand where you're coming from and who can help uh, realize those mm. things as well it's like uh, more than ever especially you know i mean we live in a in a world where like the independent artists are kind of doing things themselves even if there's labels and all that kind of stuff you kind of have to be in control of your own your own destiny your own narrative your own uh, career as well uh, and you know everybody else is there to help facilitate those things as well so it kind of uh, does uh, suggest I think do you feel that at all like I mean you never you kind of are going on and doing this yourself and I think that's what people are reacting to at the moment I think you've seen a lot of Irish artists especially who are you know following their own path I would yeah. say um, so you're seeing a lot of that at the moment which mm. I think is great and obviously that's what people respond to some form of authenticity as well you know? do you find it so, easier like, to kind of open yourselves up to collaborators on a second record like having already sort of got to know how you work together and got to understand your sound is it easier than once you have that foundation to start inviting people in and a bit of experimentation you're talking about like the on the first record not letting people in as much but it's just like not having the confidence to do that really or not really knowing what you're trying to do yourself <laughs> so it's kind of hard I think to do that when you're just kind of going along and, and trying to figure it out along the way so yeah I think the thing this time it's just having that little bit more experience and having done one before I guess you know what's required and you know what the different parts are um because you know what you know all the different elements that there are to making a record and I don't think the first time around we, we didn't know what things just kept going along we were like oh god we have to do this or um such a multifaceted thing <laughs> um especially now as you said now that like everything is online um in the absence of gigs it's just become like from from the point at which we started being a band um to now like the internet is just a different place and like the expectation of what you have to do to to kind of get your music out there it's just like 
it's just totally different. So it's definitely something that we're, well, that I'm personally anyway, always battling with. Like the, you know, just be, be, uh, social media and being online and, and kind of having to, it's such a huge, huge part of, of releasing music at the minute. Um, and hopefully that's, I think it's because it's the only thing right now that we don't, you don't have the, the gig part of it. And that's, that's where you normally, uh, Get, that's your release or that you're your own personal release of expression and um it'll be really nice I think when that comes back and you can find a bit more of a balance but um at the minute it's all online which is interesting <laughs> I I think I think what has to happen is one of the songs has to go viral on TikTok like <laughs> oh I hate gosh. to say it but <laughs> don't talk to us you, about you TikTok yeah <laughs> yeah you just you're gonna have to start some kind of a viral dance or something. I think that's the oh. rules now, isn't it? Listen, yeah, we're trying. We know. Desperately <laughs> <laughs> trying. Yeah. Um, it's strange seeing the uh, Instagram uh, has brought back the number of likes automatically again. Uh, yeah. Has uh, it? Yeah, great. It was hidden for what the last year or two mm. years, something like that. Now yeah. it's back again. It's like you can turn it off if you want, but like it's automatically back on. I was like. Oh, weird. Oh, God. I like that. <laughs> I don't Forgot like about that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's strange. Uh, your next track is um, is a track by Big Thief, which is also a band very, very close to us here. I think maybe me a little bit more so than Niall. But, um, you just got announced for a gig today. Yeah. You did. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so exciting. Oh. Um, yeah, this track is Mary. Mm-hmm. So we'll take a little listen yeah. to this. Big Teeth song is called Mary from their album Capacity, which came out in 2017, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we saw Big Teeth. When was the last time? Vicar Street, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. I was I don't, know, don't, yeah. don't talk about the war. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I say this every time they come up in the podcast. <laughs> Went to see them. My favorite Big Teeth song is UFOF. It was my favorite song of that year. I think it's one of the best songs ever written. And they didn't play it. Oh. And I was very upset. No. <laughs> extremely upset and Niall had to remove me from oh. Baker Street oh, I, no. refusing to get up I was like they're gonna come back they're, they can't not yeah. play it and then uh, the lights didn't. were on in the venue. the lights were on Still, people were sweeping the floor and I was like I'm not moving <laughs> did you see them in Whelan's the time before no no I don't think I even first time knew them, them yeah. at the time I was really late to the party with, with Big Thief actually I think they did the same kind of thing I can't remember specifically which songs but 
I think maybe they were towards the end of their tour and they were like breaking in some new songs, which I do love. But then your heart's breaking because every time there's a song going on, you're like, oh my God, there's less chances of them playing my favorite song. And I think that happened again. They're bad for that, them big thieves. (laughs) They are, they are. But I've I've seen videos of them playing UFOF live and I don't know how well it works just because of the textures Mm -hmm. in that song are kind of, they're very, they they work much better in the studio, I think, than in a live setting. But um, I I I do, think they played Mary when we were at the Vicar Street mm-hmm. gig and I think it was arranged slightly differently but um but yeah tell us about the about the, your relationship with, with this song it's a really it's a really powerful one I remember seeing this song I think it might have been it was at the top of a list I think it was the NPR's song of the year um that year and this was number one and um I hadn't heard of Big Thief before then and listened to that and just listened to it one time and was like yep they've they're completely correct this is the best song of the year <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubts about it um oh she's just a brilliant songwriter um and I think uh, what what really attracted to me about this song and a, a few of her songs around that time is the use of um names in them which I think is 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 really interesting and I remember hearing an an interview with her where she talked about using the name well Mary probably does I think that song's about her grandmother but um I'm sure that pertains to that but using say Paul in, in another song as a way to talk about um herself or certain people but they might not necessarily be called Paul but picking a name and that being the funnel through which you could like direct kind of uh, a wide amount of information to and I just that idea stayed in my head for a little while and when we were writing this um the record there was a song um it's now called oh my god oh canada but at the time it felt like it was about a hundred different people but very very specific and i could i knew why they were all linked and it was all about not being a, a good enough friend and and always feeling like you're you're not good enough for the person that you're talking to and that idea of just picking something like a name a label and directing everything towards that and kind of emptying it out into this space um really attracted me and I had yeah that her words in my head so we were in Canada at the time when we were writing it and it felt right just to to kind of use that big empty space it was covered in snow at the time um and that's so she's really informed the way like very directly informed the way that um I've written a lot of the songs and um, I think at the time you're not aware that you're kind of using these little techniques and I don't know it's only after kind of that you're like oh that's why I chose that because because I really related to that and it shares some commonalities with the Julia Jacqueline mm. song as well in that it's it's very visual you can there there are images the the, the clothes pegs on the floor mm-hmm. like there's there's a lot of images that you can really picture in your mind and everybody has a specific kind of image of of what that is yeah they're they're both like poems really those those two songs exactly like poems and I think even the way she she really pushes um what how many words you can fit into a line without it feeling awkward and like her timing it's like a rapper she's amazing (laughs) it's a whole other skill I think and something that not everybody has that ability to push and pull like that and to um Mm. to really use words Uh, I find that sometimes if words are used because of the sound of them that it works on one one level but maybe not the other but she has that way of if you read that without any context it would you it would read like a beautifully composed poem but then listening to it Mm -hmm. uh the sounds of the words convey this whole other meaning and they just um they're so musical um yeah so that's something that and for such a slow song it's it's like she's kind of 
there's there's the the tempo of how she's singing especially like towards the mm. chorus and, and stuff is is so quick the words kind of tumbling out of her and tumbling over each other these like run-on sentences and run-on lines it's just, I, I love how she plays with that kind of idea of tempo yeah. in the song you can have something really slow against something really quick which is just she's amazing she have you listened to much of her solo stuff a little bit I have I've listened to it kind of more passively so I need to do more active listening and kind of get yeah. into my head a bit more but um I remember somebody telling us they were in the songwriting class or course with her and she said that she thought she was a really slow writer and I just think that's madness because <laughs> she's got all this um like uh, all of her solo stuff and all the stuff with Big Thief and they turn out records so quickly um, that yeah. I was kind of like, oh no, if you think you're slow, we're <laughs> slow for the record. <laughs> no, they're definitely no, not they're slow. No. No, no, no way are they slow. Uh, she's slow. I'd write no. Oh God. Because yeah, I mean, like there was... I can't, mm. I can't keep up. There was two, two Big Thief albums and then the next year she released two solo albums, one kind of lyrical and one instrumental. Mm. And then Book Meek, who's in the band as well, he released a solo yeah. album last year as well and she's like, what what are you yeah, what are you taking? doing what, like, <laughs> what, what is that like where do you get that level of productivity like because it's it's insane it like, and, and and for it all to be good as well yeah. is the thing mm-hmm. that's so astounding really good <laughs> it's uh, yeah it's madness and uh so our next uh artist is also um a very lyrical songwriter as well is uh kevin morby and uh the song is called uh, come to me now let's play a bit from this from city music in 2017 so Where do you go, boy, when you die? Is it pretty and slow? Is it up real high? I don't want to know. I can't wait for the sun to go down. Tired of squinting at this god-awful time. I can't wait for the moon to rise. She's my friend, always been You can see it in my eyes That I love her Yeah, I do Oh, I love her And she loves me too That's Kevin Morby. Uh, that's an artist I only got into last year. Was it last year? Sundowner came out. Yes, yeah, yeah with the uh, Sundowner record. Yeah, yeah. You were you. Andrea's been on uh, Kevin Morby for a while. I've been right? poking Nile about him for a couple of years now. <laughs> I listen to him, <laughs> and I did. Finally. And you did, and you loved him. Uh, this is a brilliant yeah, yeah. song, and another quite cinematic kind of sound. I think it, it makes me think of like a western or something. Yeah, completely. Um, it's sort of there's just something about this track. It it kind of like shimmers, mm. like the whole thing. It just it's quite like yeah, subtly cinematic. Um, and it's really like vast, but like it just it feels like you can see it or something, you know. Um, and it really really draws you in. And again, quite a close like intimate, almost like spoken vocal. Um, and it's just one that we, I feel like we just listen to this a lot on the road and things in this album city music or the track city music as well we would have had on in the van a lot and um just have such like lovely memories of it um of this album but this song is just one that we always kind of came 
came to a lot when we were kind of referencing on, on the album and just there's just like a quality to it that's one of those ones you can't put your finger on but you're like I want it to shimmer the way that song does um, mm. it's just really beautiful yeah. yeah the person that we were mixing with Benedict McIsaac uh, was uh, he was amazing to work with but he, one of the things he did which I guess is pretty common practice is uh, ask us to make a playlist of references and this was one of the top songs and I guess it wasn't even in terms of how it's mixed. It's just, as Gemma said, the feeling of it. We're like, how do we make yeah. this record feel like that that song? Because it's just got so much to it. Yeah, and since what can you like? How what what do you discuss in, with with something like that? Like you like you're trying to identify something that's kind of hard to mm. identify and hard to imbue with me. You know, so you can play reference tracks and stuff, but like, yeah, it's a very difficult yeah. thing, isn't it? It's like, it's, I think so, it's and very it, tangible almost. I think we learned that on this record with the mixing references specific like they're really specific like where do you want your bass to sit where do you want your snare to hit where do you want how do you want your vocal to sit um whereas we were just like i like how this song yeah, yeah. And he was like it doesn't help yeah. me we were like it sparkles can you make it sparkle and he's like and he like so it's, uh i don't know if we th- th- i think that's why this one's a good example of just like it was it was mm. the feel of it um it was just the kind of the world that it he just like he captured yeah. something i think and those little like there's a melodic synth on there that it's almost like little cries mm. um and they're just so beautiful like they're really kind of tr- just really really draws you in i think i like the western yeah. uh reference as well it's just really really vast yeah, i found a lot of that with you know i mean the last album sundown or you know, he said it was his attempt to put the middle American twilight mm, into yeah. beauty profound. Well, not always immediate into sound. And you really take, you really feel like you're taken to that place um, with his music as well. And that's actually something that like, I've noticed in you got, your guys' music in terms of your lyrics, especially is like references to places um, as well. Like when you talk a little bit about like, like Manchester Air, for example, um, like it's, it's a, <laughs> it's such a great first line as well from the back of your bike I told you I was late you said I can't go much faster I said no not like that and there's so many references in there there's like like mm. you know, Cabra <laughs> and Broadstone and stuff I just like it always ties you Cable Street as well in there so you know those kind of references always tie me into I don't know they kind of moor me a bit they always feel geographically moored in a way that like okay yeah I can feel the story develop here or like a place Mm. in the song is that like so important for you yeah I think I love when other writers do that and I so I started doing it but I I think I over I have a tendency to overdo it and um, I think when we looked back at this record and also the last we were like god every every single song has a reference to a place maybe they lose their charm when you kind of over egg it but um I just love doing it. It makes me feel good. I love hearing it in a song. Um, so I don't know. I'm just probably going to keep on doing it. And it, it does like set the scene. I, it probably helps me when I'm writing it to, because I can see exactly what I was thinking about when it's like that all of a sudden we tear on the Broadstone. I know exactly the corner around um, that area where like I'm cycling and um, maybe it's quite an indulgent thing, but yeah, I just I love when other people do it, so I hope people don't mind if I do it. <laughs> but I I sort of love how um how that's becoming more of a thing for Irish mm. artists. Like you get it with Pillow Queens as well. You get it yeah. with Fontaine's DC and a Fionn Regan mm. uh, in one of his tracks. It's like a, a furniture shop down on the keys. And I think because so so much of the music that we would have had access to in Ireland for so many years. Um, would be from the UK or from the States and there is a lot of that kind of sense of place 
that we can't really connect to. I love now that I can hear a song about Dunamid mm. and I'm like, yeah, you know, I know where that mm. is. This is for us now. And I, yeah, yeah, I think long, long may that trend continue. I, I love hearing about places that I know, because like you said, you can pick, you can picture that corner, yeah. you can picture that strand, whatever, whatever it is. You're like, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> I think that was, that's kind of what I was born out of. Cause I, grew up writing songs about like one horse towns and and like the, the dive <laughs> bars and I just was re- regurgitating Belfast. all these really um like well-trodden tropes that I that made me feel like I was part of this American childhood that I didn't have <laughs> but um I guess it's like yeah it's an attempt to try and redress that and kind of bring it back to because I'm I'm so nostalgic about everything including lives I haven't <laughs> lived <laughs> so it's like trying to get it back to to yeah the reality of things yeah I think so so many people of of our generation kind of had that really sudden cultural shift towards um Americanisms mm. and you know go, going into school one day and all of a sudden everybody's saying like yeah <laughs> or like oh my god yeah. and like for, you know the the friends take over and mm. all of that that it's um yeah it's nice to have a bit of like reclaiming mm. Irish spots yeah. in music and and then if people from outside of Ireland want to look up what it is then yeah go yeah. for it you know yeah and uh yeah as well as like there's obviously a lot of talk at the moment about uh you know cultural spaces and stuff like that mm. and you know I think sometimes like weaving those kind of things into the fabric of um of the music of the city is is uh a, you know kind of highlights those things a bit more mm-hmm. you know and not that there's many mentions of, of venues specifically or anything like that but you know it's such a i think it's really interesting like there's a lot of things happening in irish music where people are really talking about the irish mm. experience and the young irish experience especially and you know like manchester air is an example of that you know talking about a, a couple who have to go to for an abortion and uh, so you record that on or you wrote it at Drop mm-hmm. Everything in Ashore, the lovely festival that happens on the Aran Islands. Um, and then you re- released it to coincide with three years since uh, Ireland repealed the eight. So you talk a little bit about that song and because I think that's, it's something we've heard so much more of in the last few years and it's been uh, uh, very edifying to see that uh, being represented in songs and seeing like real Irish experiences being represented. Yeah, I guess... Um that one came about very naturally and um we were i love um all the artists that are making really political music at the moment and representing the irish experience and i'm such a big fan of theirs and i've tried to recreate it myself and and different over the years and never quite um felt like i had nailed it and everything i did always came across like too on the nose and not sincere and um just really didn't work so I guess we were a bit surprised whenever this came out and almost didn't realize the political angle until after it because it is just a personal story about um something that happens to two people or and and in particular um the narrator of the song and yeah I guess it's it's good that it can be used after the fact um as a little bit of um a nod to that and especially um well I know there's there's still work to be done here but especially given everything that's happening up north and um it's it's still a very personal song to us and it's still something that um we care about and that that we're um trying to keep active in terms of the campaign in the north and um yeah we haven't sang it too many times but I know that 
every time we have I've been kind of close to tears and I feel like that'll continue for a little while um because it just was such an emotional time and and singing it brings us back to that that um time on the island where we were there for a couple of days went home to vote and then and had written the song and then came back and performed the song and we performed it after the results came in and I just remember the feeling of um I guess there was a lot of love in the room in in in, in the school hall that we were singing in and a lot of but still sadness people were like we were well we were crying <laughs> I don't know about anyone else but um yeah it's it's uh it's a close one for us yeah and it is you're right you know it is it is it's still relevant it's still you know people are still going to uh to get abortions in the UK still and uh, it hasn't gone away and it hasn't got easier and there's many things like that that we are talking about and we are and and songs like this really do help like they really do there's an element of you can use a song like this to have a discussion with a friend about a topic um that it's addressing without having to necessarily you know head on address that head on so you know these things are are very useful I think for for people in their daily lives as well so i've just had a memory resurface and it was seeing you guys at the national concert hall and i think it was in the run-up to repeal and i remember being it was like either in the foyer before going in or i was i was i was reviewing it actually so i was looking around at the crowd and just seeing a few repeal jumpers around Mm. and there was just something and then there was kind of illusions that you guys made on stage to it and it was just it felt like a very kind of a palpable moment that that show uh during that during the campaign literally just resurfaced oh, wow. there as, as you were talking <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah here you know three years on there yeah so yeah it's amazing um our your final choice uh in terms of songs is uh from another artist close to our uh andrea's heart especially, i mean just is... like get out of my head <laughs> you know like it's literally like god it's yeah it's mad <laughs> <laughs> it is uh way's blood and the song is called uh, andromeda nothing in it for me except my heart that's lazy running for my own life now i'm really turning some time looking up to the sky for something i may That's Way's Blood from Titanic Rising, 2019 album. Uh, that's Andromeda from Way's Blood. So uh, did you guys pick this together or uh, one of you individually? This would have been one that we listened to quite a bit together, wasn't yeah. it? On the road. Um, so this came out in 2019. Uh, yeah, I think in April or so. And then we were on tour in the States in May 2019. And I think I just listened to this for most of that 
filter um just kind of had it in my in whether it was on in the van or just like in headphones um yeah we both just like fell in love with this one we've been to see her we've been to see her twice since haven't we um once in did we go oh no sorry went to see her in Button Factory and then I tickets to go see her in Vicar Street, which sadly did not happen. Um, it's possibly being rescheduled for some time in the future. But um, yeah, this album, just I just like fell in love with it in a way that it just kind of hit me. And, it, you know, you only get like one of those every so often or a year or whatever, where it's just like you just can't stop. You can't get out of it and you keep listening to it. And uh, this song in particular, I don't know, it's just so something about like the colors on this album and the arrangements and it's so um it's really vast but like really coherent as well um and she's it's just kind of got a bit of everything like really kind of classic songwriting and then like you know kind of analog synths and there's strings on there and like the soaring kind of pedal steel guitar like there's something but this song is like cosmic or something it just like <laughs> takes me somewhere new and um just her her harmony and her progressions and where she goes with the melody it's always somewhere I don't think she's gonna go which I love um and it just yeah it just it just kind of did something to me and you were a big fan of this album as well Morgan. yeah I think yeah it's it's so great when you're on tour and then both of you fall in love with the same album because then you can just play it and not very unapologetically yeah. and kind of bond over it but um yeah just another example of a gorgeous voice gorgeous songwriter mm-hmm. who's doing kind of something a little bit unusual or and and kind of it was a an inspiration for us and especially that kind of almost country feel to it and but also keeping it very um like it's timeless but it's also modern um Mm -hmm. i think she yeah all those elements together the way she kind of um goes between all the different styles and and as you said Gemma makes something really coherent is um is is something that we kind of aspire to Mm. like her arrangements are so Mm. rich and lush and kind of cinematic but then she kind of just soars over the top of everything you know like the guitars are soaring and her her vocals soar and it's incredible Mm. I mean the the, the first fan, the first track I heard from this was movies. Mm. I think that was the yeah. first one she released, and I'd never heard anything by her before. And I was yeah. on like a packed forty six A into town, like on my way to work one morning. It was like gross morning, raining. I popped it on. It was on my like Discover Weekly or whatever. And it came on, and I swear I had this like out of body experience or like this <laughs> ASMR sort of feeling. I was like, "What the fuck yeah. is this? What is this?" Just like, "What? What is this sound? I've never heard anything like it." And then yeah. it was a bit of a wait until the until the album came out, and then this was the first song I'd heard off the album, and was just like, "Yeah, God, I don't, yeah. I don't even care what what other songs." are on this mm-hmm. those two songs alone make this make this a classic and then of course you listen to the rest of them like every day is one of my favorite tracks from her that like mm. real like beach boys phil specter sort yeah. of sound and she's so versatile and so brilliant and yeah like you said like classic but but also very very modern and un- unafraid to make those references mm. to um like sitting in a movie screen and like l- literally naming the the album after yeah. the movie Titanic yeah, and yeah, not yeah. the boat which I just think is brilliant yeah I haven't seen her live yet is she I, I've heard she's great I've yeah. seen her on her K- KEXP um, shows and she's just like stunning ethereal amazing yeah she's just kind of like angelic one of those you know she's such a like just a presence on stage and mm. you're just so kind of drawn to her and just the way that she moves and carries herself and every their vocals like perfect mm. and yeah you could hear that was an incredible gig. She's actually. really funny. Everyone as well. really, really funny. funny. So it's, yeah, 
uh, one of those rooms where you're just like, oh, everyone is completely yeah. with you. And like, she's hilarious between songs and then she just goes back to like <laughs> being <laughs> an ethereal <laughs> angel. Um, I first heard this album on Dublin Bus as well. So Did there's something you? about yeah. that. It's just <laughs> Dublin Bus written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was also one of the artists that... Uh, uh, name checked Enya in our, our uh, recent episode. We did a deep dive into en- the mm-hmm. music of Enya, and I actually mentioned you guys in relation to Enya because I was like, because b- basically what happened is when we looked into it, it seemed to be a lot of American artists were talking about how they, you know, were inspired by Enya. And I was like, is there what is the story with Irish artists? That are they? Did they not like Enya? Did they like not? Is it not in the? You know, because are we too close to it and stuff cool. like that? But, yeah, but I reckon I reckon you guys have a have a soft spot for Anya. Would I be right? Yeah, but I can't time. believe that this is yeah. controversial. Like she is it's not controversial. But like I don't I thought everybody loved her. Is that not the case? Or yeah. do people not yeah. like her? I think I don't know. Part of me I just feel like it's yeah. taken for granted sometimes yeah. that yeah. like it's Enya and she's out there in the world and like in her castle or whatever, and you're just like, No, her music is amazing and like we need to talk yeah. about it more. That's true. That's, all. No, that That's really all. Yeah. Niall is on a mission now this year. He's he's yes. on a real yeah, we need to talk about Enya buzz and it's great. We'll join we'll I'm join you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why um, not? Just back to to Wise Blood. Um, the I think the vocals on that track, in particular, the harmonies and how they kind of build. Um, talk, talk to me a, a, a little bit about that. Her her vocal style, especially on that album, and and how that's influenced you as well. Yeah, she's she, again. She has like moments of that, like what we were talking about with Julia to start, like the really close kind of intimate vocal and you're right there kind of front and center but there's something about her melody and the way that she plays that off the lyrics that it it does have just this like soaring quality Mm. um that it almost feels it feels more like an instrument at times as well where it just kind of you know it becomes uh in the best way possible like very textural and um even even with just a lead vocal you know sometimes you you're I'd be you'd be used to hearing that with like uh, with a load of a load of harmonies or a load of backing vocals, but yeah, she just kind of soars and manages to create this other kind of worldliness with it, and then she's straight back into being like kind of direct and and intimate, and I think that's a real, real nice skill or something beautiful about I that th- album. That I think I that's what she does best. She makes it so dramatic, but it's never too much. It's never overdone, even though yeah. it's like really go in there in terms of the arrangements like she she doesn't kind of leave anything behind but it's um but it still works it doesn't ever feel like it's too much it's kind of like Joan Baez kind of vibes of like really Mm. kind of leaning into something but it just feels so authentic yeah yeah you can kind of feel that she has a lot of strength behind her voice Mm. but she's not she never really belts it Mm. out when when she wants to have those dramatic vocal moments she kind of leans more into harmonizing Mm. or having Mm. the backing vocals there she's not you know grabbing the mic and doing a doing a big Celine Dion on it which I wouldn't mind (laughs) either um to be honest but yeah she's I I think she's very much a kind of a a a musician's vocalist if that makes sense at all like you know she's she's really thinking about those textures and how how it works with with everything else and and yeah there's a lot of strings on this album as well a lot of kind of big sweeping orchestral statements which are just yeah gorgeous i know it's beautiful it's just such a work of art i think this album yeah and, and the, the artwork, the, uh, artwork <laughs> is just so yeah, it's amazing. stunning like it's yeah it's amazing i think her mom shot it or 
Oh wow! So it was something to do with her mom, and like she like properly got into a big tank that was yeah a room. It's the underwater. Amazing! It's, it's set. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, she's amazing. Lovely hair as oh, well. Lovely. Oh, lovely. Hair. <laughs> 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 Can we? Uh, you were on reeling in the years recently. <laughs> what was that like? Just to change the <laughs> I have to ask. That was like, a shock. Catching yourself on me. Did you know? No, not at all. Um, someone said it to me, and I was like, "Oh, this is really awkward" because I think they've mixed this up with someone else. And I was just like, "It couldn't be." And I was like, "Oh, great! What song?" And they were like, "They named a song." And they were like, "Is this your song?" And I was like, "No." I was like, "It's so embarrassing. It's not <laughs> us." Um, but then, sure enough, like, got a text a while later. So I was like, "Hang on a minute." Yeah, it just is the last thing we were expecting. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was I mean, amazing. It's immortalized in Irish history forever now. Yeah. So, uh, fair play. That's a nice yeah. thing to have. We're big fans <laughs> as well. Like, I watch it all the time and go back and watch uh, the older episodes as yeah. well. So, it, yeah. Mm. It's, uh, I wish I had been watching that episode live because last week oh I had God. It, So, I just wish that would have been <laughs> yeah. too oh, yeah, much, yeah. maybe. But, um, I know. Yeah. It's real <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, such been, a nice surprise. Yeah. It's been cool watching the the past decade on it and seeing even like you know villagers mm. and yeah, it's like it's soak as well. Yeah. Like it's a few artists where you're just like, oh yeah, God, they they haven't yeah. always been around. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. yeah, there was a beginning for these for 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 these people who who you just sort of are, are are so ingrained in kind of Irish music now that you're like, oh look at them yeah. there on the late late. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. And, so and recognizing the artists as being uh, like contemporary artists who you would go to see. Mm. Uh, I, I think, yeah. Re- yeah, watching Reeling in the Years for the past 10 years, being so close to it has just, it's been a very weird experience, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the the tw- 2018 last night and it was the repeal stuff and it was just so overwhelming. It's such nothing like a Reeling in the Years to make you cry three times uh, <laughs> i've actually i've actually put that episode off oh. not, I, I don't think i'm quite yeah. there yet yeah. yeah i'd say take your time because uh, uh yeah the marriage equality one yeah. broke me and i was like no can't can't do yeah. this and and it's it's a weird feeling to uh even in the earlier ones it was like the 2010 or 2011 there was like uh student protests yeah. and stuff and it's a really weird yeah. feeling to be watching it and being like oh, i was yeah that. i remember like, yeah. yeah yeah so and you're kind of looking out for yeah. yourself being like oh god please don't show what i looked yeah. like in 2010 <laughs> <laughs> yeah is, is 28 was 2018 the last one it can't be can't do 2019 yeah they'll stop yeah. at 2019 yeah. and then the next series okay. will start at 2020 Oh God, um, love twenty twenty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, just ignore yeah, that yeah. one. Well, they, they have a decade to do yeah. it, so um, yeah. they might just about get it over the line yeah. <laughs> in time. Oh God, um, just make up some nice things. Yeah, <laughs> and then the rest of the decade, nothing of interest is going to happen. It's all going to calm down, and yeah, it's all going to be totally fine. Everything will be fixed. <laughs> yeah what are you guys looking forward to? Uh, even personally, like, I mean, what are you missing the most at the moment? Like, you know, you have karaoke song for example you can't even go to a karaoke bar i know um, all these kind of things you can't do sometimes you're just like karaoke oh. you just miss like yeah no you go you had no 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 i was just saying kar- <laughs> that's such a shame karaoke in particular is like the super spreader so it's like a definite no-go for karaoke <laughs> but yeah definitely mm. miss going to gigs like play- i miss yeah. playing gigs but i miss even more being in the front row at a gig especially your friend's gig and just like Oh, dancing really stupidly and and having a mm. little drink in your hand and going out for dinner. I really miss like a nice mm. dinner. 
And just like the spontaneity of things, like just, you know, bumping into people days or nights, taking you places you didn't, you know, that the things just happened because that can't really happen now. Everything's like very, we're doing this and only these people can come. And like, that's, mm. that's, that's getting. Yeah. We have 18 tired. minutes to hang mm. out and eat a yeah, substantial exactly. meal together. And yeah, you don't have to do that anymore. It's fine. Oh yeah. The substantial <laughs> meal thing is gone. We've, I never we've minded that. It's so weird. I know. So weird. I was yeah, just used like, to it. I love a substantial meal, meal with my pints. <laughs> I, I think we need to normalize that going forward, to be honest. A little soup, yeah, yeah, soup yeah, and a yeah. sandwich with, with your pints at 11 p.m. Sure, why not? Why not? Why not? Um, well, those are excellent. Uh, five completely excellent songs. Um, and I would say that because I love all of those songs, but they're, they're brilliant. And thank you so much for sharing those inspirations with us. Um, thank you guys for having us. Oh, that's been yeah. great. Thanks, Emil. And yeah, really appreciate taking your time and uh, come and say hello to us. Um, and best luck with the album as well. Yep. I hope it all goes well. Look, I think people are going to love it. Goes at its end. Yeah, we. I think uh, it's going to do really well. So um, congratulations thank on you. that. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to, you know, I don't know, you'd be able to come and have a yes. dance somewhere like or whatever it is or a festival or whatever, like whatever's happening. That isn't, like you say, a too controlled environment. Yes. And, uh, mm. Yeah. So I'm looking forward yeah. to those. Yeah. For sure. Thanks um, so much for having us. Season of season a field somewhere. Listen, I hope. So <laughs> yeah. Great. See you guys. OK. All thanks right. so much. That's, there. That's for you now. Left a message for
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.